KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. And today is Tuesday, the day of Parshat HaShavua. This is Ezubek. And the Parsha is Parshat Kitisa. Parshat Kitisa, a long, fascinating, complicated Parsha. The major portion of the Parsha is not so much about the sin of the Para Aduma, um, of the Egel Azahav, sorry, of the Egel Azahav, which the actual sin is only a few psukim, but the major portion of the Pasha is about the discussion of Moshe with God. More accurately, the struggle, the epic struggle of Moshe Rabbeinu with God to overcome God's anger and God's intended punishment after the sin of the Egel Hazahav. There is a long and complicated, multifaceted, many-part Moshe Rabbeinu coming, talking, returning, arguing, a struggle. You, you feel that there's this, he's not just praying and then God says yes. God doesn't give in, gives in a little bit, then Moshe Rabbeinu comes back and more and more. There's a major a, a, a struggle between Moshe Rabbeinu all alone by himself and God who seemingly reluctantly, slowly appears to concede to Moshe Rabbeinu's requests. Our job is to understand what is taking place here. It would be a one-time thing. Moshe Rabbeinu would ask and God would respond. We'd understand. But what are the stages here? What is, the, what is really at the heart of the apparent argument? What is at the crux of the problem between Moshe Rabbeinu and God? And specifically, I want to mention one um, specific sentence that Moshe Rabbeinu uses, and I want to understand it. In the middle of this long discussion between Moshe and God, Moshe says to God that if you do not forgive the Jews, wipe me out, erase me from the book which you have written. I asked one general question. What's going on? Now one very specific question. What's going on? What, what book are we talking about? And what exactly is Moshe Rabbeinu trying to do by, is it blackmail? Is it an idle, childish threat? Where he says that he wishes to be erased from the book that God is writing, unless God chooses to forgive the Jews. Okay, let's start, let's start from the beginning. I think there are three distinct parts to the section which begins right after the Chet. In other words, Perek Lamed Bet, Pasuk Yud Aleph, Bayechal Moshet Pnei Hashem Elokav, the first prayer of Moshe Rabbeinu, until we get to the very, very end when HaKash appears to Moshe Rabbeinu and gives him the Yud Gimel Midot HaRachamim and says, Hinei Anuchi Koreit Burit, Neged Kol Amcha, Seniflaot, and tells him to go get the Luchot HaShniyad. Okay, there are three distinct parts. First part, the immediate part. God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Go down, and I will destroy the Jews. Now, of course, you read the Pshat, it's clear that God is being a little bit more clever than that. God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, just you know, leave me alone and I will destroy them. Obviously, Moshe Rabbeinu is not going to leave God alone. Moshe Rabbeinu knows he has a very good chance. What does Moshe Rabbeinu say in his first argument? There are two parts. Why 
למה יאמרו מצרים לאמו ברעל ציון להרוג אותם מהרים לך, אותם מעל פני האדמה? שוב מיך ארון אפיך ומלכים על נראה לימיך. זכור לאברהם יצחק לישראל עבדיך שנשבעת להם בך, ותדבר עליהם הרבה את זר אחים ככוכבי השמיים בכל הארץ הזאת אשר אמרתי, אתן לזר אחים ונחלו לעולם. Two arguments. One he says, why should the מצווים be able to say that you took them out in order to destroy them? Two, remember אברהם יצחק and ישראל, יעקב, ישראל עבדיך, who you promised that you would take care of their children. Okay, we understand the arguments. What's important here? Neither of these arguments says anything about the Jews. It's about the Egyptians and about the forefathers. Moshe Rabbeinu does not attempt to convince God to be good to the Jews because of the merits of the Jews. He's simply saying, don't destroy them. Why? Because what is his purpose now? Only one. God said, I'm going to destroy the Jews. Moshe Rabbeinu is preventing their destruction. He's not seeking forgiveness. He's not seeking that God should, should give him another set of luchot. He's not seeking that God should, should, should rest his shechina on the Jews. He seeks only one thing. Do not destroy the Jews. Lama Why should your anger burn against your people? And the burning of the anger, means punishment. Moshe Benu is not worried about God's inner emotions. The anger burns, it burns those who are nearby. What is God's answer? No answer. He doesn't even say anything to Moshe Rabbeinu. He just agrees. He, he repents of the evil which he had proposed. Okay, Moshe Rabbeinu then goes, okay, that, that's, that's first, first stage. The immediate response of Moshe Rabbeinu was to prevent destruction. Is that enough? Apparently not. Moshe Rabbeinu goes down, uh, destroys the ego, destroys a couple of thousand people, um, speaks to Aaron, and uh, after all that, comes back to God. He tells the Jews first, Vayhi mi machorat, Pasuk Lamed, chapter 32, verse 30. Vayhi mi machorat, the next morning, You have sinned a great sin. I will go up to God. Perhaps I can atone for your sin. So we now know what his purpose is. His purpose is to atone for the sin. This is different than the first purpose. The first purpose was preventing destruction. It doesn't require atonement. It just requires God not to destroy now he's seeking atonement, kapara. Vayashav Moshe el Adonai vayomar, Anna chata ha'am hazeh chata'a gedola vayasu lehem elohei zahav. Yes, these people have done a great sin and they have made a golden calf. Ve'ata, now, im tisa chata'tam, v'im ayin mecheni'na misifracha asher katafta. I will translate the words literally. Now, if you shall bear their sin, but if not, Erase me from the book which you have written. Remember, Moshe Rabbeinu promised the Jews that he was going to seek kapara, atonement. What he actually asks God for is laset bachet. I translate literally, to bear their sin. Is this the same as kapara? This is the first time in Tanakh where 
Laseit Chet means to forgive. What's somewhat more striking is that in the past, I think it means the opposite or something very close to it. For instance, Cain, after uh, being told by God that he will be punished by being a, a fugitive, by being a, a wanderer outside of human habitat, says to God, Gadol Avoni Minneso. My sin is too great to bear. Linso, Minneso. Same word as Laset. My sin is too great to bear. What does it mean when Cain says, My sin is too great to bear? What does bearing a sin mean then? Bearing a sin doesn't mean forgiving it. Cain is not saying, My sin is too great for me to forgive it. He hasn't even asked God to forgive it. He doesn't mean God can forgive it. It doesn't mean he won't forgive it himself. He means I can't bear my own sin. To bear your own sin means to stand up with the weight that the sin places on your shoulders. Sin is a burden. And Cain says, I cannot, I'm, I'm being crushed. I, I can't bear the sin. What does God say to them? God doesn't give them any forgiveness. God says, I'll put a sign on your forehead so people shouldn't attack you. I'll make it easy for you to live with it. I'll help you out. Now if... If bearing a sin means, means shouldering it when you do it for yourself, then I think if you ask somebody else to bear your sin, if God should bear our sin, it has to mean the same thing. It means that God will shoulder or share in the shouldering of the burden of the sin. This is not what we usually mean by forgiveness. God will take upon himself the weight of our sin. What, what, what is Moshe Rabbeinu asking for now? So I think it's, 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 it's clear. When God told Moshe Rabbeinu that the Jews had sinned, he didn't say, Ki he said, Ki amcha. They've ruined, they've corrupted, they've destroyed. The shachet means to, 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 to ruin something. What God was saying was not just that they sinned, He's saying that they've ruined, what have they ruined? They've ruined the relationship between God and, and, and Israel. We just come out of Egypt. We just received the Torah. A whole new state of existence had come into being where God was dwelling or coming to dwell in the midst of the Jewish people. They have a certain relationship involved there. Chazal called this relationship betrothal, kiddushin. Has Sinai was the betrothal of the Jews to God. But that's been all ruined now. It's been destroyed. It's been corrupted. It's true God said, I'm not going to destroy them, but the plan cannot continue. God took the Jews out of Egypt to be His people. They're not His people. He won't kill them. But they're no longer the chosen people. And what does Moshe Rabbeinu therefore ask for in this second stage? La Chet is not just to not punish, but to ameliorate, to somehow make it possible for a person who has a sin on his shoulders to stand upright, a people who have this sin on their shoulders to continue, to continue their existence as before. He's asking God to maintain the relationship even though they are tainted and corrupted by the transgression, but so God should, God should should suffer. God should suffer the sin. He should take upon himself some of that weight 
and allow the people to stand upright. He should shoulder the weight and bear it. Bear with it. It's harder now. God said it's impossible. Kishichet, it was destroyed. So Moshe says to God, well, it's not destroyed, it's just hard. And if it's hard, you can do it. Now, the request is, 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 is chutzpah. It's tremendously audacious. He's saying, God should have a relationship with sinners. Never happened before. God had a relationship with Avraham, with Yitzchak, with Yaakov, who, who bore his name and sanctified it. How can God place his name, his relationship, on the people who are desecrating God's name? It, it's, 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 it's hard to believe. You're asking God to associate himself with sin. Uh, yeah, that's what the words mean. To be no say, chet. God should have a sin on his kaviachol shoulders. How does Moshe Rabbeinu know he can ask that? I have no idea. But that is what he's asking. And this is what I think it means. Erase me from the book. What book? So Pashup Shadis means the Torah. But, but the Torah hasn't been written yet. What Torah? Erase me from the book which you have written. The Torah has not yet been written. There is one book in Pshat that has appeared in the Torah so far. After Har Sinai, there is a Sefer Habrit. The Book of the Covenant, which exists already, with the way the Torah phrases it. End of Parshat Mishpatim. Vayichtov Moshe et kol divrei Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu writes the words of God. And he builds the the Mizbech. Then it says, Vayikach sefer habrit vayikra boaznei ha'am. Vayomru kol asher diber Hashem na'aseh benishma. Sefer habrit. The book of the covenant was a book which wrote what had taken place at Hasinai and it was read to the people. They answered na'aseh benishma and they had a certain ceremony. Sefer habrit is a book which is the brit. It's the covenant. It's the relationship between the Jews and God. It's like the contract. Sefer Habrit, a book of a covenant, means the writing of the contract. It's the contract. If Chazal's metaphor, the Har Sinai, was, uh, was Eusin, was betrothal, so this is the Ksuba. Or perhaps a Shtar Kiddushin. It's the, it's, the, it's the written relationship between God and the Jews. So what is Moshe Rabbeinu saying to God? He's not blackmailing God. He's not saying if you're angry to Jews, so take my name out of your book and that you don't want to do, so you have to give it to me. I mean, who, it's so unlike Moshe Rabbeinu. It also doesn't sound like it makes any sense at all, but even if it makes sense, Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't say it. He's trying to, to extort God by saying you can't have me if you don't want them. No, I think Moshe Rabbeinu is saying something else entirely. He's saying, I have this theory that I just made up, that you can bear... Sin. You can associate your name with sinners. Maybe I'm wrong. You, you, you claim I'm wrong. There can't be a Brit between God and these terrible Jews. But if that's true, then you have to take me out as well. I'm not threatening you. You just, you just have to do it because I'm also a sinner. I'm also Jewish. I'm one of them. I'm only a Jew. And, and if you're going to write a book with me in it, if I'm going to have a relationship with God, if I will bear your name... So it, it must be because you can put your name on sinners. Then put your name on them as well. He doesn't know if his new theory is true, but he does know one thing. 
if you can't rest your presence on them, then you can't rest it on me either. Not because I refuse. I'm not trying to blackmail you. This is Moshe's modesty, not his pride speaking. There's an answer in the Torah. He who has sinned will be wiped out from my book. Okay, so God says to him, you know, it's a great argument for you to say, but it's not true. They've sinned and you haven't. And I stick to my guns. If you've sinned, you cannot be in my book, meaning my name will not be on you. But I'm not going to erase you. But then God gives in a little bit. Ve'ata. You want me to vest my name on the Jews? That's what you thought would be the kapara that you promised them? Nisiat chet, I would remain with them? I, I say no. But, I'll meet you halfway. V'ata lech nechei et ha'am el asher dibarti lach. Hinei malachi elech lefanecho v'yom pokadiu fakati elem chatatam. Say, take, send the people, nechei, uh, uh, direct, guide. Guide the people to the place which, of which I have spoken. We know what that means. Guide them to the place I have spoken. My angel will go before them and on the day when I will come to demand my, my what is due me, I will uh, punish them for their sins. The Pasuk means go to Eretz Yisrael. Guide the people to the place of which I have spoken. It is so striking that God doesn't even give it a name. The answer of God to Moshe Rabbeinu's request is essentially negative. There's no longer any Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Asher Iftachti, Eretz Avat Chalavudvash. But technically speaking, God has given another step to Moshe Rabbeinu. Not just won't I punish them, but the plan will continue. They left Mitzrayim to come to Har Sinai to go to Eretz Yisrael. They will now continue to Eretz Yisrael the camera will record the fulfillment of the plan, as you asked. But, but it's so different. The inner meaning is lacking. It's not Eretz Yisrael. It's not the land I promised to their forefathers. It's Et Asher Dibartilach, the land that I spoke to you about. And who's going to go with you? Mm, not me. I'll send an angel. I'll send an angel. The Ramban claims that it's clear from the Pasuk, uh, a few Pesukim later, Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, V'shalachti lefanecha malach v'gerashti et haknani ha-mawi ha-chiti ha-prizi ha-chibi ha-yibusi. He tells him that it's going to go to really to the real, he tells Moshe Rabbeinu personally, go to Eretz Yisrael. I will send an angel who will chase away the, these other nations, um, but I won't go with you. I won't go with you. The Rabban claims that, not just that God won't go with him, but the angel is only the angel will just go to help out in the war. After that, the angel won't stay either. Once you get to Eretz Yisrael, you'll be without God. It means it won't be Eretz Yisrael. It'll just be, okay, you'll get a country. It happens to be Eretz Canaan. But, but, there's no God involved in this. So you need little divine help to conquer the land. Okay, I'll send an angel. In other words, you have the outer shell of the fulfillment of the promise, but without its inner content. And Moshe Rabbeinu is not going to rest. And now we come to the third part. But what else can he do? He asked God to come along. God said no. 
But just like in the first time, how did Moshe Rabbeinu know that he could get God not to punish? Because God basically hinted to him how not to punish. He said, leave me alone and I won't punish them. Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't leave him alone, he doesn't punish them. Here too, I think the hint is found and Moshe Rabbeinu uses the hint. God's answer was, Mi asher chatanli, emchenu misifri. I won't erase you, I will only erase them, but you will bring them to Eretz Yisrael. First he says to them, take them, guide them to the land. But then he says, in another and distinct speech, Perek Lamed Gimel Pasuk Aleph, Lech alei mizeh atav v'ha'am asher ha'elita mi'eretz Mitzrayim al-aretz asher nishbat v'ham yitzak v'yakov le'emol ha'zachat nena. Take them to the land which I have promised. You should take them to the land that I have promised to their forefathers and I will send a malach to help you out. Moshe Rabbeinu figures out the loophole that God has left him. Moshe Rabbeinu is still in the book despite his request to be taken out. He is still in the book. That means that he carries the presence of God. He is going to lead the Jews to Eretz Yisrael. If the presence of God is over Moshe, but not in B'nai Yisrael, that, that's physically impossible. Okay, Moshe Rabbeinu understands that. He moves his tent outside, which is the first thing he does after uh, coming back from this speech to the Jews. He takes his tent and moves it outside because God is in his tent and not in the Jewish people. But still, Moshe Rabbeinu will figure something out now. If he is going to lead the people and God is going to be with him, then, then there's got to be a way for God to be in the midst of the people as well. Because if the presence of God is on Moshe Rabbeinu, and Moshe Rabbeinu is leading the people, then the presence is on them as well. This is what Moshe Rabbeinu now says to God. The next portion in the Torah, we usually explain as Moshe Rabbeinu forgetting about, or ignoring temporarily the mission of saving the Jews. And all of a sudden he starts asking about himself. Vayomer, pasuk yudbet. If I found favor in your heart, show me your ways and tell me, uh, teach me, and then he gets you give me dot. What about the Jews? What happened here? But I think the answer is clear. The introduction, he says, You told me, take these people. And you haven't told me who will go with me, which isn't exactly true because he said the angel will go. You said to me that you will know me by name. In other words, your name will be in my midst. So now, tell me how. Tell me how to lead the people up because these people are your people. Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, and I think he realized that God hinted it to him. If you are in on me, I am in the book, and I have to lead them, I have to lead them in your name, how else can I lead them? Therefore, you have to be there as well. Moshe Rabbeinu has trapped God. God has set the trap for Moshe Rabbeinu to close. God has told Moshe Rabbeinu to lead the Jews to Israel without inner meaning and spiritual destiny, without Shechina. But you will be the bearer of the, holy, of the Holy Presence. That means that the guide, what, what is guiding the Jews to Eretz Israel? Moshe Rabbeinu, B'Shem Hashem. So that means that God is guiding the Jews to Eretz Israel. And therefore, he repeats to God, 
Im ein panecha hochim alta alenu mize. If your face does not go with us, those if you are not if you do, do not look upon us, then don't then don't go. Now God said he would do that. God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, my face will go and lead you. Moshe Rabbeinu says, What does it mean? God said to him, I will lead you. Moshe Rabbeinu says, good, then you will lead them. And the answer to God for that is the amazing, mysterious parasha of the 13 attributes of mercy. The 13 attributes of mercy are the true answer to Sachatatam. God says, yes, there are attributes which I now disclose to you for the first time, which allow me to rest my presence, at least temporarily, among sinners while waiting for them to do tshuva. Hashem, Hashem, Kel, Rachum, V'chanun, Erech, Apayim, V'rav, Chesed, V'emet, Nosei, Avon, V'fesha, V'chata'ah. He bears sins, he waits, he's ma'arich af, he holds back his anger. God says, and then God says, yes, I will make a brit. What do you mean I'll make a brit? Because the old brit, the old covenant had been destroyed. As we pointed out, ki shichet amcha, macheni namisifcha, the sefer ha-brit had been obliterated. So God says, I'll make a new brit. Hinei anochi, pasuk, parat lamadal, pasuk yud. The final line. Hinei anochi koreit brit neged kol amacha, e'esen niflaot, asher lo nivru b'chol arts v'chol agoyim. V'ra'ach kol ha'am asher atah v'kirbo, et ma'asei Adonai kinorahu asher ani oseimach. Listen to the words. God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, I will make a new covenant before your people. Your people. He calls the Jews Moshe Rabbeinu's people. It's an unusual phrase. They're either God's people or they're people. I will make a bit opposite, not so much with, but opposite your people. I will do wonders which have never been created before in the land and in all the peoples. And all this people who you are in their midst, God is speaking to Moshe, all these people who you, Moshe, are in their midst will see the hand of God, the actions of God that is awesome, that I do with you. In other words, Moshe Rabbeinu said, I got the theory, you're with me, you're not with them. But I am going to lead them. And therefore you have to be with them. And God says, yes, I will make a new bit with your people and the people who you are in their midst. I'm really only with you. But yeah, you've got me. If I'm with you, Moshe Rabbeinu, because you haven't sinned, and you are, I've appointed you, you are the leader of the Jews, and you are leading them to Eretz Israel, then I will have a bit with them as well. How? Because of the 13 attributes of mercy in the previous Pasuk. And they will see the hand and the awesomeness of God. Who will see? The people who Moshe Rabbeinu is in their midst. And then you have a whole new brit, it's actually the same mitzvot which were given in the end of Mishpatim before the Sefer HaBrit. It's a recreation of the same Sefer HaBrit, more or less the same mitzvot, almost identical to the end of Pashat Mishpatim. And Moshe Rabbeinu goes back to get the second, the second luchot. In other words,
from a state where of impending destruction to a state of okay, no impending destruction to a state of continuing the plan but without true relationship Moshe Rabbeinu has continued to argue to, to force to force God's hand so to speak with God's willing as a willing accomplice to not merely not destroy and not merely bring the Jews to Israel but to bring them to Israel with God in their midst although the sin still exists and has not been wiped out has not been forgiven has not been atoned for as I'll say, the Chet HaEgel remains, even till today, waiting for full atonement. But that hasn't stopped or prevented the presence of God in the Jewish people and the continuation of the plan and the fulfillment of the divine destiny of Am Yisrael Ba'olah, the Jews in the world, Eretz Yisrael, and the uh, building of the Beit HaMikdash, and all of and all of and all of Jewish history. History is completely different after the sin than it was before the sin. But amazingly enough, history continues nonetheless. Chazal, the Gemara Rosh Hashanah, expresses this in its explanation of the first two of the 13 attributes of mercy. The first two are Hashem, Hashem, Havaya, Havaya, God's name twice. And the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, Tafil Zayn Mubet says, what does it mean, Havaya, Havaya, Yudke Vavke, Yudke Vavke? Ani Hashem lifnei shechata ha'adam, v'ani Hashem la'achar shechata ha'adam. God created the world, God created the Jews, without sin, and that was the basis for the relationship. And then there was sin. Ani Hashem, I am still God, after the sin. The relationship is recreated, not by ignoring the sin, but with the sin nonetheless. And that was Moshe Rabbeinu's great accomplishment in Parshat Kitisa, allowing us to continue, continue on, continue with God in our midst, even though we are who we are. While God waits, for the eventual tshuva and the eventual fulfillment of the full Jewish destiny. Kaltov, that's it for today. We'll be back next week with a different parsha for next week's parsha. Until then, Kaltov Shalom.